At this point, you should be on the frame with a film strip title that says Oral Hygiene. Welcome. It's Oral Hygiene. It's a podcast where we talk about caught films, experimental films, educational films, apparently Disney films now. That's that's now on the docket. <laughs> so here we are. This is Matt here. There is Scott. I think it's been a year since you've actually been on this one. Peace be to all in Scottish Gaelic. Yes. Oh, you're right. We did that. That's much less That's than correct. a year. Okay. I forgot about that. Because that was the Garth Marenghi's dark cast, which ended up in the RO hygiene feed. So it just, you know, it all breaks my head in the end. So, yeah. <laughs> We're having a hot one here. Ready? For, I, I've already taken two showers today. I'm going to go to the onsen. And then I'll probably take a bath tonight. That's going to be four washings of the water, which I've, I've heard some people outside. say. I've heard some people say like you shouldn't like wash yourself like every day, and here I am doing it four times in a day. But I don't know. I th- maybe it's you shouldn't like go soap crazy four times a day. Is that it? Yeah, Water I, seems I mean, fine. Yeah, yeah. What would Lilith do? Lucifer rising, you know, definitely. That's right. I think, but um, yeah. I mean, the day before the summer solstice. Oh yeah, that's a that's a good time for oh. Lucifer rising. Uh, yeah. Here, I mean, this will be released much later. Sorry, folks, you missed it, but we're here for it. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kenneth Anger is Tripper here, Loose for Rising. That's the film. Hey, Scott, can you give like the uh, TV guide synopsis? Like, you're going to sit down with a family, 8 p.m., taking Loose for Rising. How, how do they uh, eating the bangers and mash? One? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting. It's one of those ones, maybe the more you watch it, the less one kind of knows what it actually <laughs> means. It's, it's very interesting. Um, but I was just, you asked me, like, how would you describe it previously? And I just wrote this about 20 minutes ago. But I think in a nutshell, it's a creation story. Uh, as IMDb says, it's about the birth of a new era or the new aeon. Um, archetypal, profound, as well as violent. So not the usual image people when they think of creation. (laughs) So it's also like the magical process of alchemy, um, the philosopher's stone, that's the transformation of the material into something more kind of transcendent beyond the sort of dualistic or elemental. Um, But it's the spirit of kind of enlightenment. A bit um, much for the TV guide, I guess. But uh, yeah, I guess there's not really a story to really latch on to here. It's like, yeah. uh, here's some Iris, here's some Horace, here's a, a badass biker jacket. Yeah, it was made <laughs> over four years, too. So there's a lot of different pastiches and montages and things like that. So, um, but, um, you know, I could give you word from the Magus's mouth, Kenneth Engelmeyer, aka Anger himself. Um, this is also pretty brief. Lucifer's message is that the key is the key to joy is disobedience. Isis nature woke Osiris death, Ansys Lilith destroyer, who climbs to the place of sacrifice. The Magus activates the circle, and Lucifer, the bringer of light, breaks through. Put that in your TV guide for sure. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Which should, um, does live up to that um, <laughs> claim. I guess we'll work into the visuals, but let's start with the sound because this one has like just a bizarro, you know, um, matrix of matrices of sound, of soundtrack to think about. Um, yeah. So I think the one that both you and I watched was uh, Bobby... Beausoleil. Okay, so I wanted. I was testing myself if I could say it right because I, I, I wrote Bobby B in my notes. I didn't even want to yeah. spell it. And I, Beausoleil. Yeah. So I, I always had I some bizarre ass pronunciation. So when you said it to me correctly, I was like, um, oh yeah, that 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 seems right. Okay. It might chime in with a solstice too, because Soleil is sun. Exactly. Now he recorded this in prison for absolutely wild reasons, of course, uh, being. Not quite a member, but a uh, affiliated um, an actor of the Manson family. <laughs> what did he do? He, he downed a man before the Manson family really got cracking. Was it? That's that's right. Um, the guy, the victim's name was Gary Hinman, who was a PhD student, um, and it was over some. Uh, please don't quote me on this, but uh, it was over some bad mescaline, I believe, um, and I think. Uh, Charlie wanted a hit. Is that like I'm, I'm angry because I got the bad mescaline or, or I'm on the bad mescaline? <laughs> Perhaps it sounds like probably both, but I think it was the initial one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, um, I mean, this, this must be the best soundtrack recorded in prison. Not best album. Johnny Cash gets that, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, one, one thing uh, I also checked a lot of what, um, you know, a lot of words in the horse's mouth, Kenneth Anger himself said, uh, he said, uh, which is kind of funny, uh, Bobby, who acted and wrote the soundtrack, was a good lad who turned bad. He was a Scorpio. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm not a Scorpio. I'm a Pisces fish. Um, <laughs> there we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah a little, little astronomy with your, uh, not astronomy, excuse me. Sorry, folks. Astrology with your jam. But hey, if you go back far enough, they all. And the bad mescaline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That and bad mescaline. Do astrology on bad mescaline. Um, <laughs> Some there, good song lyrics out of that, I think. Yeah. There is also a Jimmy Page soundtrack out there. I, and, and honestly, it's, since this one doesn't. I mean, the, the Beausoleil probably is the one that's most identified with this. It has nice credit in the sequence, but this is the one where you're basically allowed like, to record your own soundtrack. Um, and then there's an alternate one that Jimmy Page recorded, being a big Crowley fan, which I, we haven't said Crowley yet, but obviously that is a, a major part of this yeah. movie. Kenneth Anger basically being a, a disciple of the, of the wickedest man. <laughs> mm. Um, it's interesting, too, with the Jimmy Page soundtrack. Um, there is a bit of, uh, well, reading into the background between, uh, you know, with Kenneth, uh, he had a lot of fallings out with a lot of people he collaborated or worked with or who worked for him. It's interesting. Um, maybe it's just uh, artistic ego or things like that clashes over sort of um, doctrine. It could be Church of Satan intense. I don't know. One interesting thing, this is just like, like basically he looked like a normal dude until about 15 years ago and then suddenly turned into the crypt keeper, which is, uh, and he's still alive. That's wild. Cause uh, what, 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 how old is he now? He's gotta be like 90 plus. 90? Yeah. 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 So uh, older than the queen's corgis. Yeah. 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 He's, he's the, the queen's so, keeping him alive on baby's blood. <laughs> is that libel? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, nothing like a public forum to, to just 
spew out things like that, I guess. But uh <laughs> Yeah, and beating down on Bill Gates. But anyway, this is how we do it. Uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I, like this one's probably worth watching twice just so you can do both soundtracks because both of them are, are pretty groovy. I think I actually mm. do dig Bobby's more in the end. It's just kind of got a nice, like weird ambient jam feel that I like. So and and the fact that you're like, hey, this is recorded in prison just does add a weird like I don't know. It's I mean, like a, a you know a good a good guy who got into bad shit, right? But well, he's made a decent soundtrack there, so you know. <laughs> I guess when you're in something called Lucifer Rising, I, I, anything's gonna go. But uh, yeah, yeah, but the guy. It, it is multifaceted, though, isn't it? Though. Yeah. yeah, really. Um, I guess we should get into the the visuals now that we've wrapped about yeah. the, uh, the Just music a little bit. There's one, there is more here in that. Of course. Yeah, one interesting thing though, um, when I was researching this, uh, was Kenneth Anger definitely has some powers of persuasion or something or somebody's uh, really helping him. Uh, I'm impressed because, you know, the way he could um, film surreptitiously in Egypt, because the authorities wouldn't have allowed um, such a film to go down, you know, images in front of the Sphinx and pyramids. Um, but they might were. have been a little easier at that point in time, though, mm -hmm. because um, again, I th what was it like Transformers before the pyramids actually got to be a movie setting? I think Transformers too, but uh, um, but, but also with the soundtrack with the the guards at Tracy State Prison, like the way that yeah. he could get like Bobby to with some of the other inmates to compose like such a soundscape. It's quite fascinating. Well, you can make it sound like, you know, a, a socially progressive thing to do. Like, hey, we're going to rehabilitate them by having them do some art while they're stuck where they are. Four things they did, admittedly, of course. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking in the 70s because you'd have like Sun Ra and the Grateful Dead and the Pink Floyd, the, the Pink Floyd all playing at, at the pyramids, which I don't think people get away with pyramid concerts anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Horn, I think he has a pyramid album. Uh, his, his best one's in the Taj Mahal. He would just take his flute into like sound spaces and and wail for a while and let the echo play with him. Uh, and it, it seemed to actually work out better in the Taj Mahal, but he he did one in the pyramids as well. Well, you know where to take your jazz master next time. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we start off with just a bunch of um, volcan uh, volcanoes, like what like three minutes of volcanoes in a twenty-seven minute film. So that's notable, I guess. Yeah, it's interesting Fires too. Of hell. A lot of the dualism, because you know, you see like you know the the hottest of hot, and, you know, lava flowing everywhere, magma um, bursting out of volcanoes, and and then, then you have the sea. Yeah, I was thinking of the ocean, man. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got the rain over the ocean. Then you've got Lucifer rising, the title appearing in flame. Oh, that's one of the best title sequences ever. Holy crap! Yeah. <laughs> Lucifer rising, rising out of the waters. It's fantastic. Yeah, not Lucifer falling, interestingly enough. No, so that well, that would sound depressing, right? You don't want your, mu your music, your movie to fall. You want it to rise, yeah? Mm. <laughs> Good propaganda, um, anyway, the, the inversion of things, you know. Another pastoral hygiene. You know, you know what went through my mind once we see ISIS? Probably because you clicked okay. my notes, but uh, safety woman. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Just that she was yeah. doing the similar motions from, uh, you know, uh, just a few. I, I'm not saying Safety Woman was like taking anything from Loose for Rising. It's just it's funny how the same images end up in like such disparate places and are kind of the same thing. Safety Woman did not have the titty hanging out, but uh, 
Yeah. That's just the, the commit. Hello, you know, mm. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the good old days. It's a little more fun than uh, elbow bumping, but so then... so okay. I haven't. I've, I I don't think I've really talked to people and be like, "What's happening here?" We have ISIS signaling Osiris. Is that what what I should how I should read this? Yeah, I believe so. Um, yeah, because she's she picks up the ankh, the symbol of life from a cartouche or something, and then um, lifts it up a number of times. And then um, I believe it's Osiris uh, who responds in turn. So. Does that make Horus the, the dude with the bloody bathtub and the badass jacket? Yeah. I mean, he's <laughs> interesting. Um, technically, he's because um, nobody's credited in the movie. Um, so it's really hard to know who does what, even though there's not a, a huge pantheon of characters. But um, I think he's termed... Uh, the magus and there's also an acolyte or something okay uh, or the adept but uh yeah the lucifer rising universe magus how are you he's magus number one okay but but yeah i mean i that's part of the thing though there's no dialogue here right so you kind of have to work it out on your own so i'm like i I don't know if my horus thoughts are completely wrong did horus have to go kill a bunch of people (laughs) you know it's interesting. Um, I think Horus actually um, was forgiveness because he could have gotten revenge on Seth, who killed his father, but he chose not to. So maybe that makes our bathtub boy Seth because he's covered in blood. Yeah, yeah. Good point because he mm. could be the one that killed um, and also took out um, Horus's eye, I believe, or eyes. The one or two, so I think it's one because we got the eye of Horus all the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean that could have it's a different connotation. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure, but uh, yeah. um, your one of your big takes was the Philosopher's Stone, and it looks like I put uh, about a 25 percent through my notes. I, I was asking if it's a Philosopher's Stone. I think we get a, a a flash of a uh kind of ruby yes. red sort of thing a few times. Is that what you're alluding to? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, um, I think. Uh, Magus number one, aka Bathtub Boy, um, after he performs the deed, he sacrifices a, um, I believe, a red-headed lady in the forest um, with a javelin. And then there's images of a dagger. Um, He's covered in blood. And then he goes into the bath. And then there's this, definitely, well, uh, it's a um, ruby-like, four-sided jewel, I think, which is um, supposed to be the Philosopher's Stone, which... Crowley does um, allude to a lot in his um, writings. Just a weird thing that um, I just did the the pod a podcast about uh 1994 Stargate, like as in the movie, where they kind of have the thing where um one of the one of the main characters dies and is put into sort of a you know a pyramidal structure and resurrected. I mean it's it's dopey sci-fi Roland Emmerich movie, but it's just like that. There's like the pop culture version, whereas Lucifer Rising is this more like kind of esoteric you know experimental version so yeah obviously in in my ramble at the beginning of this podcast this goes into the cult experimental basket for sure the true cult film (laughs) maybe educational to teach you anything (laughs) (laughs) it probably teaches me not to run into them in a dark alley um (laughs) just midnight especially with van boris and sorry uh, a second time 
Yeah, there are actually <laughs> some demigods I, I really wouldn't, or demiurges I wouldn't want to meet <laughs> in the wrong place at the wrong time. There's one demiurge, right? Right. Well, many demigods. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we're just going I'm, Gnostic. <laughs> I mean, basically, um, I think the way uh, perhaps you yourself too, I want to watch this without like any, you know, you know, preconditioned thoughts or, you know, preconceived notions. So when I, when I was watching this, I didn't want to think of like Crowley as, as bad or Lucifer bad or, you know, good, um, which, you know, some rock stars might have that idea. But um, I think I was definitely groovy to a lot of the, you know, a lot of the notions. I think just the sacrifice part was a bit alienating for me. I thought, did we actually need to sacrifice someone to have this ritual? Maybe it's naive on my part, but <laughs> I, I, I think the sacrifice is very Old Testament-ish. So. Well, we, we did the um, Brackage's film, Dogman Star, also having a lot of blood, also in creation, but in that case, the, through the very childbirth. Different. Right. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. And that's more sort of incidental of something, but it's rather than sort of a deliberate shedding of blood. Like I do feel Somebody like else's blood. Yeah. I do feel like um, philosophically, I'd probably be more on team brackage than team anger. I mean, come on team anger that, well, that sounds badass, but it, it's not the team you necessarily want to be on, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, <clears throat> I definitely had that vibe because um, uh, Lilith, um, because after the sacrifice, uh, Lilith appears too. So who's Marianne Faithful, right? Right, right, right. Um, and um, yeah, that's because I was like, oh, I thought we were doing Veronica. Now we got some Betty, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. Um, as I did a little bit of uh, reading into this. Just... Mick, Mick Jagger, who dated mm. her for a while, did one of Anger's earlier soundtracks um, for... Was it, was it Scorpio Rising? No, no, it wasn't that. It was something else. It's it's the one that's name is escaping me, but was not a good soundtrack. Not like this one. He he really was just making electronic noise, but you know he did it. <laughs> and he was sure. one of the biggest stars in the world when he did it. So <laughs> sympathy for the Lucifer. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it, it's interesting because um, as I did a little bit of delving, just prepping for this um, uh, podcast. Um, Lilith, um, Lilith's very interesting. Apparently, like the sol lunar opposite of the solar Isis, and uh, she rises from that sarcophagus in blue and gray, and you know, um, Lucifer rising, um, right from times like Babylonian, um, but also with Jewish or Greek folklore, she appears. Um, um, in Jewish folklore, she's said to be like the first wife of Adam who wouldn't lie down with him in the parlance of those times and mm -hmm. voluntarily left the garden of eden and uh in mesopotamia she's associated with dust storms disease um, and she is she is uh, a um, sexual temptation she's also very tied in with gnosticism so yeah. um, it's not just like in fact i was like what is that egyptian because I, I always thought of lois is kind of a you know part of that scene yeah, I mean, obviously, it's all a little time you know, tied in together. Sorry, um, I was just looking up the name of the one uh, Jagger did the soundtrack for, which because I knew it had a fantastic title, which it does, which is a uh, invocation of my demon brother. <laughs> you can 
kind of figure out that what's what's it uh, yeah i just need to make sure to scream <laughs> that one out because it's a fantastic uh name <laughs> yeah one of the queen's favorites or her corgis whatever what what is it that tickles everyone's fancy on egyptian like iconography because I, I feel like no one looks at this stuff and is like i mean you know the sacrifice stuff like you said can be alienating but as far as like Anks and you know those those giant helmets and and pyramids all, all that stuff just look kind of looks right to everybody you know you know like the the, the sculptures that are seem laser cut they just kind of look right to everybody i don't think anyone is like man that egyptian stuff's ugly <laughs> yeah i mean it's very um i mean it's very poignant like anybody from around the world could look at it and pinpoint exactly what that is and where it's what country it's in basically um you know it's it's pretty cool it's very distinct i mean i like i like the you know drawing the line back to atlantis and then and, and again the, the ancient egyptians the the Kemet people if uh they did oh. sort of say they you know were a legacy culture we kind of like got this from someone else so mm. i mean the the incans said that because now they're like oh the incans, how the incans build all this well the incans told you they didn't build it why are you trying to figure it out <laughs> Well, they were trying to tell you it, and then you murdered them all, but uh, yeah. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I mean, wisdom's a pretty strong um, and faithful river running down through the course of humanity, just apart from the nonsense like war and colonialism, but, you know, that's nothing new, unfortunately. Anyway, yeah. I, I, I've seen this movie a lot. This was probably, probably, you know, somewhere around 10 times I watched it last night. I mean, I watched it once last night, but that was probably about the tenth time. But you, you've been putting a magnifying glass on it, so um, why don't you just take the floor and spit out an interesting point or two? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if, if you don't it's... mind being put on the spot, that much. oh no, 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 it's all right. <laughs> no, it's very interesting. Uh, I was actually uh, very, really impressed with just how lush it is, like um, visually, and uh, also as like a the, like the sound texture, but. Uh, I thought it, it could, it really takes away the viewer. Um, there's no audible dialogue, um, but you don't really need it um, because what you're actually seeing, like some of those, um, the visual footage is just fascinating. You know that there's, it's, it's very ceremonial all the way through. No, I'd say it's mostly speaking to you subconsciously, which again with where anger is coming from we're, we're not sure that's a good thing but uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah is it some sort of weird tavistock like program like obviously or... we shouldn't take any points away from him as a filmmaker that's that's all on point that's why we're sitting here talking about this movie 50 years later but <laughs> but yeah it's like where is he coming from again with the, the brackage anger divide and i'm not saying their styles are the same i'm just like i feel like i have a better vibe for where brackage was coming from yeah yeah um yeah it, I, I think i think in terms of like uh, archetypes and symbols it is interesting because um it really forces one to sort of um if they want to go deeper with it do their own research unless they've been initiated to the oto the, um or thelema which was you know crowley's sort of uh, religion that he created or faith. That was his so, jam. Yeah, yeah, because religion sounds a bit, yeah. But 
Um, with um, yeah, with Lilith, um, it's interesting too because Crowley's daughter, um, his, his first child was called. I, I wrote this down. More Ahathor Hecate Sappho Jezebel Lilith Crowley. I was about to say there had to be a Jezebel in there. Also and, I, and I also remembered yeah. there being a Jezebel in there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but she was the, uh, Lilith was a consort of Lucifer, so, um, which she maybe did lie down with him, so, which <laughs> creates that Androgyne um, Baphomet character, sort of the, the go-to. Of, uh, right, right. Um, uh, 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 getting into the end, of course, you know, we're, we were trying to like work out the first half of the movie there, uh, which was a little tricky. And then the end, like, you know, like cranks that up to 11 spinal tap style. Right. <laughs> so uh, I'll, I'll you can riff that and I'll read my notes that first we get into the magical chamber, magical with a K, of course, it mm. gets a little horny at this point. Um, don't look up anger on Pornhub. That'll get you some unfortunate results. <laughs> <laughs> Quiet. Um, yeah, it's interesting because there's definitely, um, you can really see the, the Crowleyan touch here, like, uh, on the floor, this, uh, Crowley sort of pantheon of characters. Yeah. I wrote a, I wrote sort of the, um, a magic circle, squaring the circle, squaring the pyramid, rectangling actually, because of the aspect ratio, but, uh, definitely, definitely those magical symbology on the floor, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, in the middle of, I don't know if it's in the middle, but on the floor too, there's a sort of kingly like character with sort of rosy cheeks, um, hair trailing down, and he's Satan wearing, like, claws, a ermine. Uh, yeah, that's right, like an ermine sort of coat. And he he's the only character who I actually see saying something. We can't hear what he's saying, but he's sort of like mumbling something. And then Kenneth Anger, dressed as I think Magus number two. He sort of um, is it perambulates, um, but he basically um, uh, twirls around the magic this, circle, yeah, faster <laughs> and faster, which creates its own sort of vortex or its own sort of um, energy dynamic, which sort of goes galactic. Um, they, yeah, which kind of maybe instigates that um, that magical process. No, I thought the magical process created the jacket. That was my my take. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, a lovely one, maybe too. it is because if even on like wish.com, they want you to pay 250 for that. So <laughs> yeah, it's pretty lush. Also, that uh it's pretty spunky looking, even back in the dark days of 72. I mean, that's as wow. Shiny as a Pontiac Firebird or something. It's quite the quite the fashion piece. Yeah, with <laughs> Lucifer and multicolored. Uh, yeah. But yeah, we go through this whole like sequence of um, basically like John D style magic, and then we go back to Egypt at the end. So it's kind of like I, I guess it's all related in the end. But I I, I do feel like the uh, what what's the big word I'm missing? Enochian magic and Egyptian oh. magic seem a little. I mean Crowley was in a both as well, right? But they. I mean, they're not. I feel like they're not the same thing. Yeah, I, I, I was sort of like thinking of, um, yeah, like Hermeticism, just through um, Hermes Trismegistus. So, which would be like, which focuses on like Egyptians, like uh, Egypt's Thoth, and also Greek, um, the Greek god Hermes. So, which was 
kind of a occultic thing in the the 19th century 20th century which Crowley would have been um, probably made up half of it himself but uh, <laughs> which is connected a lot with alchemy and magic um, and Sudastro theology but I'd have to check out more about Enochian um, magic. Do, do you feel a, that's, that's similar to Hermeticism or? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like I said, the, the whole magical chamber sequence really made me, because John mm. D, what was the other guy? Richard Kelly was his channel. Consort. Whatever it was. And they just came up with mad things and the, uh, the language of angels and all of that. And then the angels said they needed to wife swap. And I think that's where things went downhill. Yeah. Um, but you mentioned channeling, right? So um, that's where Crowley's wife uh, comes in. Uh, Rose, Rose Kelly. Right. Well, a different Scarlet, Kelly. A different Kelly, but his yeah. Scarlet um, Woman of the moment, at least. <laughs> she was channeling Iowas, which was um, a, um, like, like a being, um, like a super intelligent being, which gave him uh, his work because his wife then passed the knowledge to Crowley, like her husband, um, before he had her committed to an insane asylum <laughs> for alcoholism. But um, uh, the Book of the Law, that time became the Book of the Law. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I mean, you know, you'll read modern channeled stuff and a lot of it does come across as relatively hooey-ish um, or or weirdly aggressive uh, and i've said uh not not the stuff that murders osiris but the uh you know the 70s one i i tend to you know that stuff sounds solid to me I, again it, uh, i think a big point is it's just like thought experiments it's not really telling you to do anything it's not telling you to go murder anyone or swap wives or anything like that I just want you to think about this from a different direction i like that sort of thing even the book of law, I mean, you do what thou wilt would be fine if you just added and don't be an asshole to that, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. Do what thou wilt and don't be an asshole. This shall be the whole of the law. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, one thing I like about Kenneth Anger's style is he doesn't um, hand it to the audience, but he also, like, doesn't patronize the audience. It's, oh, not it's at like all. Up to you. No, it's awesome. It's really awesome because um it's it's like up to the the viewer what they make of it um um i mean of course kenneth anger has his own like direction but um it's entirely what you make out of it and what you do with that knowledge um it's really interesting so um i kind of i really like that it's quite a an adventure and once we get back to egypt in the end we suddenly get all this wildly sci-fi stuff to, uh, you know coming in uh, there's the the dolmens and lightning that that started to make me think of Highlanders, you know. Mm. I mean, mm. I mean, obviously, I'm not saying he's ripping off Highlanders. It's like 15 years earlier, right? But yeah. it did have that kind of sci-fi feel. And then the weird, like, pink UFOs, you know. I'm, I I started thinking about Sun Ra more in that case. I mean, it looks like space is the place, you know, <laughs> which is contemporary of this about the same time. So it yeah. might just be like what special effects were at that you know, in the early 70s. Yeah, it's like sort of a, a proto-UFO cult, kind of. It's interesting. But yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's a really interesting way to finish. It's pretty mind-blowing. You sort of got like the, the ancient future kind of concept. And, uh, um, even, uh, even Jimmy Page's cameo, like, you know, it's impossible to look at this film without considering Crowley. Like, um, he's actually 
on the wall <laughs> struck by you know quite an elaborate um frame circular frame his pictures is tinted greenish but jimmy page himself is like sort of um looking at a um like cuneiform not cuneiform but hieroglyphic tablet and he's like kind of looking at crowley uh, adoringly i mean that's that's pretty interesting yeah i am i we didn't watch it to get into this but there are all of the um the sequences from the song remains the same the led zeppelin concert film which also includes like these weird vignettes and i'm i'm wondering if how much kenneth anger not i you know i'm not saying he was even in on that movie i don't think he was but just obviously jimmy page would have been informed by that that might have been the impetus to put that sort of thing in that movie you know mm. i mean Jim, jimmy um page bought what, what's the name of the place uh, uh boluskin yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah boluskin sorry I just, I just knew i'd screw up the pronunciation so i, no, no, I no, asked no. you <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah it's uh a really interesting um, take on things because um, it's impossible to uh, not mention just after, I think it's the image with uh, Jimmy Page, who looks a lot like Terence McKenna, actually, <laughs> or, uh, or Terence McKenna looks, looks a lot like him. But um, anyway, um, there is a certain image of, uh, I believe it's Pan uh, laying down with in the parlance of the times uh, who are standing up laying down with uh, a goat um, in a very interesting position. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to mention that on air, but uh, yeah. Again, but anyway. don't, don't type anger into to Pornhub. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that was interesting because um, actually Crowley, um, Crowley himself identified as a pan-like figure. So um, as maybe like a cosmic prankster um, or somebody who can maybe usher in that sort of age of... Um, aeon or something yeah well not too long ago in this podcast we were looking at fantasia where i thought i was looking at cupids at first because disney later reused that animation for cupids in a different movie but watching i was like wait wait, no these are pans you know <laughs> that he kind of put into fantasia so <laughs> yeah yeah and actually um i've i wrote down something that um uh crowley had written himself about pan he said um a uh, thrill with lis sorry a uh, thrill with lissom lust of the night o oh man my man come careering out on the night of pan mm. okay so as although, one knows. yeah although he never quite made it as a poet and he didn't know it so yeah <laughs> <laughs> cuz he kept writing it well he started his own religion i guess that counts for something yeah you start your own religion you can make you can write <laughs> bunk poetry as much as you want um, <laughs> um is there anything I, I i guess you're staring at notes there i'm i'm staring at my notes on the computer but uh is, is there anything else you really wanted to like pump out on this movie um, yeah actually there was something um yeah i've just got to because i i wanted to bring to the table like actually um primary sources like things that crowley had said or um also anger had said too uh one thing um let's see um I believe this is okay. Um, Horus is the cosmological force that brings order, the primordial chaos. He can bring harmony to duality. So um, I believe that was anger that it's that. Don't quote me on that. But, um, but anyway, I think that theme certainly pervades a lot of. Um, 
Well, yeah, that's that's Egyptian. There is the tie between Egyptian and Achaean. Um, what was the other one we were talking about? Egyptian and Achaean. Hermeticism. Yeah, yeah, Gnosticism. All that is, you know, the monad. The monad goes in the two. That's duality. The third rectifies the two, and that's Horus. You know, like the numbers are just Isis, Osiris, Horus, right? Or, or I don't know, maybe Osiris is first. I don't know which order you put them in, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, because. It, it is a good point because actually um, maybe Crowley and um, Kenneth Angwood both agree that um, uh, Horus attained wisdom that um, evil is not a force to be overcome, but just to be worked with, mastered and balanced. Mm. So I think people that um, do watch this, may they might want to keep in mind that point. Um, you know, uh, it's maybe... The, I think the image of that sacrifice was pretty uncomfortable, but um, uh, hopefully it's like a figurative thing. That um, I, I'd like to know more about, like, what was there, like a necessity for such a thing? Um, <laughs> it, it was just probably on an elemental level rather than a literal level. I think that's the way I'd read into Even it. Even from a filmmaking level, I mean, you got, you know, the... The Wild Angels a few years earlier, basically just an exploitation film for the drive-in, but with this insane Nazi funeral riot sequence, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, you couldn't put that in your film now. So there, I think there is a, you know, a certain amount of like boundary pushing uh, to some of that stuff as well, as well as the, all of the magical symbolism, you know? It's like, how do you get Jimmy Page and Marianne Faithful? It's like, hey, we're bucking the system. We're, we're you know... We're being rebels and we're sacrificing sacrificing goats. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> hey guys, oh, you want to uh, go sacrifice a goat today? It'll be awesome. <laughs> yeah, if the barbecue's canceled, that's one thing one can do. Yeah, mm. or um, also just like the little um, almost Ed Wood like um, sort of film sequences, like little pieces cut in of you, know, you mentioned goats, but um, there's also one just a random you know, two second um, image of um, uh, a cobra being trod upon by an elephant. Uh, I don't well, I, my, in my note, I wrote that, just but, a uh, touch of snake to make you think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Touching the snake in a violent way, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, um, definitely very profound and powerful forces at work. So, I mean, um, uh, on an elemental level, and I think a lot of the um, the gods, goddesses, and deities involved in this are um, not not literal. They're just um, like massive natural forces at work that we don't always see with our eyes, but that um, doesn't actually make them less real. But, yeah, that's where I, I say this movie speaks to subconscious, but I think it is worth knowing exactly what the intentions were because of that you know <laughs> uh because once you're familiar it, even if it's from like kind of like ah, i'm not down with the crowley and you know kenneth anger philosophy you know you, you you already know what it is so you, you can appreciate it for what it is as opposed to you know <laughs> you can work you can work that out you know it's like how really old movies sometimes have to put the disclaimer like people are smoking in this movie right <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's great with um, Kenneth Anger's work. I mean, he doesn't, you know, at all dumb down his messages. It's great. And I think it's it's as lucid now as it was then. 
I mean, it's uh, oh for sure. Well, you can still sell the jackets for two hundred fifty bucks, and this movie never made any money that I know of. So, <laughs> well, actually, it was, uh, which is an interesting point. Uh, it was funded by um, one of the Getty family. It might have been John Paul Getty. Mm. So they were the big uh, oil family, right? So, uh, but that was. Um, Getty images, yeah, that sort of thing. So, but yeah, yeah, they. Um, I mean, this is the sort. Of, this is the sort of art that needs epic a, work too. Yeah, a patron, you know. Not, yeah, as, yeah. Put it. Yeah, yeah. It's hard going to Disney Studios, and well, maybe we could. But, uh, I've been to Disney next. Studios, yeah. at least the Florida version when it was there. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll tie a bow on this one today, and just. Say this is Oral Hygiene, Oral Hygiene Pod at Twitter and Facebook. Uh, we are do lots of other podcasts with our pals under the po- Patreon umbrella of Podcastio Podcastius. You'll hear some sci-fi films. You'll hear some Pokemon, some Twilight Zone. Uh, and then Scott and I do some music, and you'll find all, well, most of that at uh, rovingsagemedia.bandcamp.com. You can plug something if you want, but I think I just did it. <laughs> yeah. Um, any comments or questions for me? Just uh, contact myself through Matt. Yeah. Or or try and like contact Scott through like a astral projection. That's the best way. Works <laughs> too. Works too. Yeah. The channels are open. Wow. <laughs> I was seeing how long you go. Did you advance the film strip? Are you on the final page? Well done. Burning pyres by Highland Crescent Lakes. Doors conceal passages into archway complexities. Everything is a circular utopia amidst the baseline pathways over cocktail carpets surfing on silvery mezcal. Into hives of electricity, oceanic in depths heaving. In realms of bright shadow, falsettos echo in the misty caverns of my mind. 